Hello, welcome to Once Upon a Binge. I'm Maureen. And I'm Paige. And today we're discussing the Mockingjay movies, Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2. Can I just say I'm very impressed with us that we actually recorded these podcasts back to back, like so closely together. Yeah, so if you listen to our Mockingjay book episode, we recorded that last night in this time. And then I watched them today to prepare and now we're recording mostly because I want Paige to be able to read a ballad of songbirds (laughs) and snakes or whatever guilt free everything's out of her brain regarding very true I'm very thankful for this and uh I watched these I tried re-watching the movies today but we got so busy that I only watched like half of the first one but we were talking about it in our messages and I sort of was remembering everything I felt. So I'm hoping like Maureen can guide me through this, be my spiritual advisor <laughs> during these times. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, you know? So I'll just go into, I mean, I feel like we gave the explanation of what Mockingjay is about and the movies are the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so basically same thing, but like there's quite a few differences in the movies that we will discuss, I'm sure. But the whole thing, Katniss is living in District 13. She's trying to reason with coin. She's trying to, like, make this rebellion work for her while all these other people are trying to make her a pawn. And there's a lot of fighting, lots of battling, lots of really hard deaths, lots of sadness. It's, <laughs> it's a very dark and hard book in general. And I'm, yeah. like, I, I don't know what else to say because you gave such a great description of Mocking Jay in the last episode that it's like it's the same thing but just movies <laughs> just copy and paste everything i said yesterday and put it exactly <laughs> in this point in the podcast as well <laughs> yes exactly that that's pretty much all i want to say it's hard to like give a recap when it's true we literally just did so let's get into talking about the movies what we're going to do for this episode is we're going to talk about both movies in the same episode but if it gets long, we will make it a part one, part two. So I guess stay tuned to see if this is part <laughs> one, then it's part one. But we're gonna, we're not going to split the movie discussions. We're just going to do it all together. Yeah, part of it is because I feel like the same thing happened with the Harry Potter movies for the final book. Because the beginning of the books is so information heavy and we're introduced to so many new characters that's where a chunk of like plot and character development happens and then in the latter half in the second like movie that's all the action that we get toward the end of the books so it's like hard to just like discuss things without pairing them together I feel like yeah it is and especially just because of everything that happens so I guess I feel like we should go hard first because we kind of hinted at this the last episode of our ideas of when the first movie should have ended. Paige does yes. not agree with where the first movie ended. So for a refresher for those of you that didn't feel the need to re-watch the movies in preparation for our podcast <laughs> or haven't watched them recently, the first movie ends with Peta choking Katniss and then them kind of explaining what the whole process, why he did that to Katniss. And then there's a speech by Coin superimposed over superimposed is not the right word but like the audio <laughs> over Katniss looking at Peta like fighting his restraints super chilling yeah. very intense but that's where it ends so Paige give your thoughts okay so just from a dramatic perspective because I was never going to be surprised by this ending I've read the books but the point where Boggs hits Peta over the head 
with whatever he picks up and it goes black, that would have been so intense for somebody who had not read the books when they don't understand why Peter is suddenly attacking Katniss. If you just left it as that, people would have gone insane for a year. So that's like my one gripe is like they could have cut it a little earlier and left that explanation for the next movie. Yeah, for some reason, my brain thought that's actually when it ended. See? But then I, <laughs> then I was watching it, and then I remembered, like, oh, yes, um, there's the whole thing of her looking at him through the glass, and that's what I was remembering. It's one of those things where it's like, I think that would have been a great ending, but I also understand it. Yeah. Because that means in the second movie, they would have had to go back and explain all of that again. Like, explain that they went to get PETA, explain, like, that he attacked Katniss, because people would have remembered, but they would have basically just had to show it again instead of ending where they did. So, yeah. like, I kind like, I get it, and I, I agree with you, but I also think that scene of her looking at him, like, fighting his restraints is super chilling and a very, like, good closing shot. Mm-hmm. It was very ominous, for sure. Yeah. And that's where, like, you don't know, if you've never read the books, if Peta's ever going to get better. Mm-hmm. And you kind of understand that he's not okay. Yeah. So, I think it just adds a little bit more depth, but I also agree with you that it was, like, both and. <laughs> it's like, I understand, like, I don't hate the ending, because when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this, like, is, it's giving me chills, like you said. But a part of me is forever going to be salty because I remember when I was in the theater how I felt. <laughs> I'm never going to forget that feeling. I was so frustrated. I was like, no, like I wanted my friends not to know what was happening. <laughs> I do remember that because I thought that's where it was going to end too. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously my brain misremembered and thought that's where it ended. But then I also remembered that scene <laughs> with Katniss and Peta because that part with them is like so intense and like it, the camera moves a lot. Like if it had mm-hmm. been a solid like not shaky cam and had him just like go after her and stopped there that would have been probably better yeah I feel like it's heartbreaking in a way because the entire film is Katniss fighting to get Peta back and then when she does it's like she didn't actually get him back she got somebody different in his place which you see her fighting with in the next film part two (laughs) yeah and I think it also like it also makes sense for like the character of coin because honestly, even more so because you are in it from a third person perspective, you see how manipulative Coin is in mm-hmm. the movies, even more than the books. Like, you know, she's oh, yeah. manipulative in the books, but like, you just see it. You see it. Um, and that's even one thing that happens with her speech that she's basically like, we did this and like giving herself the credit and the like praise for it when really Katniss was the one who fought for that to happen at all. And the only reason she gives in is she's like, oh, Katniss isn't going to do what I want her to do unless we go get PETA. And also, like, she skims over the fact that the Capitol is the one that actually let them go. Because by that point, all of their systems were up and running again, but they let them leave because they knew that PETA was, like, sort of a weapon. So she doesn't mention any of that happening and all the issues they had, like, getting snow on the line. So it sort of makes you wonder what else she's been hiding from all these people and would they be fighting so fiercely under her if they knew, like, yeah. just how much was, like, behind the scenes that was happening. Yeah, and, like, even watching this movie, Coin, like, especially at the beginning, talks to Katniss like she is, like, a child. Mm-hmm. She really, like, uh, she did such a good job, the actress did such a good job playing her because she does the whole, like, mildly condescending thing very well. 
Yeah. I'm trying to remember because I had this thought while I was watching the movies, but I never bothered to research it because that is a trend <laughs> with the podcast. But is the actress who plays Coin also in The Host or is it just somebody who looks a lot like her and is younger? Because she was I'll giving me up. like vibes of that, um, you know, the seeker that chases around the main character. They I just don't look remember a lot like I think at all. I don't remember if I've actually watched the host. Movie. Oh my god, guys! Should we watch the host? I've watched. I've read the book, but I haven't watched. I don't know if we've watched the movie or if I did. I watched it like one time, very long time ago. I feel like that's like a guilty pleasure of mine because there's so many problems with that freaking book and movie. Like the amount of times the guy slaps her around is actually kind of gross when you think back on it. Julianne Moore. She is in. I mean, she's famous. Yep. But she's... When did The Host come out? God, like, I don't know. Everything feels like it came out in 2012 to me right now. <laughs> I don't think so. Ugh, yeah, it's probably just somebody who looks like her. But, like, with her eyes and everything, she was giving me vibes from that, and I couldn't stop thinking of that movie. Who? What's the person? The seeker is Diane Kruger. Okay. They look Whoever similar. That is. They're both Yeah, they do women. look similar. <laughs> you know? That's it. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. But, yeah, she's just very good at playing everything in this movie like she's very condescending i'm looking at my notes but i turn my phone on do not disturb so it stops vibrating she's very manipulative and you can see it so much more in the movies like she's good at strategy you see that in the whole like bunker scene but Mm -hmm. like the other stuff she's like no like whenever katniss first comes with her demands she's just like no yeah that's not what we do or no when she gives a speech that's like hey, we're going to do this, and it's all Katniss's ideas, like, just throws her completely (laughs) under the bus, so she has no blame if it goes wrong. Yeah, I really liked the way both her and Plutarch, you could tell they were both very smart, but they were almost battling for different things at times. Like, they were trying to outmaneuver each other in some parts, because Plutarch would always sort of not be vouching for Katniss, but he would be trying to reason with Coin and telling her, like, she's being too strict with a teenage girl, relatively. You're not going to be able to tell a teenage girl what to do. She's not going to listen to you. So he was like, he has some street smarts to him that she obviously didn't since she's been locked up in District 13 for so long. Also, we talked about this in the last episode, but he is so much smarter than Book Plutarch, and he's a much better character than Book Plutarch. And he's a much better character than Book Plutarch. Because he's actually strategic and actually smart and knows what he's talking about. Yeah, like, I stan Plutarch in the movies. He still... I, okay, my question for you. This I held this question back from the last episode because I wanted to wait till you watch the movies. To me, in the movies, it almost seems at times that Plutarch is playing coin. Like, he's pushing her in a direction subtly because he wants the results that end up at the end of the final movie. Do you think so? Like, do you think he ultimately wanted, like, the democracy, like, the election, and therefore he played it out so that she would end up being like, oh, we should do a Hunger Games? Like, how much of that do you think was, like, his game-making, basically, because he was a game-maker? Oh, I think that he definitely directed her in that way so that he knew Katniss would kill her. I mean, the letter is very much proof of that at the very end, Mm -hmm. that he gives Hamish to read to Katniss that's like you are who I thought you were and you're doing everything I thought you would do which sidebar I was looking something else up I don't remember why I came across this article but apparently that scene 
with the letter was actually supposed to be Philip Seymour Hoffman, but he died before they filmed it. Yep, so then they I remember had Woody go in and do it. And it made me even more emotional watching it because mm-hmm. I could imagine him like actually having that conversation with Katniss. That's the thing is like, I don't even know why I remembered that fact. I just remember, yeah, there was an article or something going around when the movie was coming out because obviously he had passed between the films. And they used a lot of footage apparently that they'd filmed previously with the first Mockingjay. And you cannot tell. Yeah, no, not at all. Like, you were saying, like, I wonder how much of that impacted the way they played Plutarch. Like, how much of it was planned that he would be such a smart, like, character that would have Quain, like, on strings compared to the books where he literally is useless. I found a note of my notes for Mockingjay at, like, after the movie came out when I was going to film a video about it. Oh, no. (laughs) Mockingjay Part 2 specifically. Give us a snippet. I have, like, things I liked. This is a direct quote. Let us all bow before the acting machine that is Josh Hutcherson like he did so good. Which is really true. Like, still. (laughs) These are things I miss that would be great things to talk about. The District 4 specificities of Finnick and Andy's wedding. Like, it's beautiful, but, Uh, like, it's very District 4 in the books. Um, Katniss and Johanna... Joanna, I can say words, Katniss and Joanna training to fight and their test, which we talked a little bit about in the last episode. I'm in the middle about Katniss sneaking out. Like, it was interesting because, like, it almost felt like sending PETA was a punishment mm-hmm. for her sneaking out. So it gave it more purpose. But I also liked her, like, crew that she's like, we're going to go in and shoot propos specifically. I think they, like, skipped out that whole um like training montage scene because by this point we already know Katniss can kill people like we we've seen it multiple times in multiple films it's not a stretch to believe she would survive this because like Phoenix says it's the 76 Hunger Games basically when they go to the Capitol. so I think like that was the choice behind completely erasing that part but then we do miss like that Katniss and Joanna get closer because yeah. they're basically still at odds by the end of the final film when they have like the disagreement about like the Hunger Games with Coin. Like, Katniss agrees, but she doesn't agree to the same vehemence that Joanna does. Yeah, she's not like, oh, President Snow has a granddaughter. Obviously, yeah, I want her to fight. Um, yeah. It's not like that. And that was a really good choice as well, the granddaughter, that we are introduced to her in all the other films. Yes. So that when that's brought up, we have, like, a face for the situation that Coin's bringing up, it makes it more intimate in a way. And I thought that was so smart. I was like, oh my god, I understand what they were doing all this time now. It makes so much sense. Oh, for sure. And then I think I said, I understand why they weren't there, but the lighter moments of the book, like Boggs's death in part two, they're like all joking around and laughing and then it like, he gets blown up in the middle of all of that instead of like, mm-hmm. you expect something to happen bad because you know like, they're about to go into, like, a, an area. Like, you don't expect it in the book. Yeah, that's the one thing about that second, like, the part two, is there is not a single freaking moment to breathe in that movie. No. It is sad from beginning to end, <laughs> and that's why I was so emotionally done after that day. I was like, this is too much for me. I was crying so much, guys, so much. And I think another thing I miss about Katniss, like, getting ready to go to war is, like, Honestly, in the books, she has a lot more of a struggle mentally, and she's Mm -hmm. a lot more rebellious, and they're trying to, like, rein her in a little bit. Like, there's not really time to develop that in the movie, and I totally get that. Like, part of the whole hunting thing, the hunting thing seemed a little 
out of place in the movie because in the books it's like she wants to do that specifically so she doesn't have to go to the training that she's supposed to be going to and like she doesn't do the things she's supposed to do she doesn't want to get better she just wants to like mope around and training's like really what kicks her into gear mm-hmm. I feel like I was wondering if the reason they chose not to explore because they really don't explore like her um like the mental illnesses that she's suffering through like throughout the books like we see that she's struggling to like PTSD, she probably has depression, she's struggling to get by. But in the movies, you don't really see that besides the first scene where she's like, I'm Candace Everdeen, I'm from District 12, and like she's like around the corner and they come to find her. After that, you don't really get it. And I wonder if it was because like the director was trying to like give us, like the audience, the same view of that coin was trying to portray like Katniss as the Mockingjay because they're trying to make her seem as infallible as she's supposed to be to everybody around her. It's, like, that same struggle with the we can't really see her internal, like, dialogue and, like, monologuing. Yeah, like, I like that they had that setup of her and Finnick instead of just starting in District 12, even though I feel like Mm -hmm. that would have been a very interesting and powerful start. Like, it made sense to do what they did of, like, Plutarch being, like, she needs to see what happened for us to, like, move forward with her kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. Um, and you do get some of that, but I just, I feel like there just wasn't time to go into that. And that's really like, it's not a bad thing. It's lacking because of that, but like there, I don't know where they would have put more of that in. Yeah, for sure. I feel like even with these two movies, there's still so much that they had to leave out. And that just goes to show certain things do deserve to be split into two movies and certain things do not. Hello, (laughs) Twilight. I'm talking about you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Really, we didn't need to. It had a good, like, split point, but it didn't mean that it needed to be split at that point. Yeah. (laughs) But this one, definitely, we lost we lost a lot of that but I it's hard to do it when you don't have it coming from Katniss's perspective but there's a lot of other differences like the drama just gets amped up in like the scene of the bunker like all of the rain that's happening all of the like her going back up to get Prim and literally barely making it through the door which Prim does barely make it through the door in the book but it's all very orderly and also no one thinks it's not a drill until like they start hearing the bombs and in this everybody is freaking out and they know something's wrong so yeah it was that obviously was like amped up for the screen because it wouldn't be interesting just to see people walking in (laughs) single file going (laughs) downstairs no it made sense but I didn't realize how organized it was in the books because obviously I hadn't read them. So reading that and then watching this, I'm like, wow, this is she's getting trampled on the stairs right now. <laughs> this is like next level. But some things benefit from that too. Like the scene where PETA like tells everybody to lay down their arms and everyone gets really angry. I felt like that got a bit amped up from the book. Like People are angry in the book, but you just don't get the full force of it. But you can tell how angry, like, the District 13 people are whenever you are watching the movie. And I feel like that added to that scene. Yeah, you mentioning that scene just made me real... It just made me hate Gale for a minute because he's dumb as a brick. He's, like, (laughs) he's he's obviously a traitor. And I'm like, sir, have a moment's thought about this. Obviously, he's being tortured or something. (laughs) Yeah. It's also, like, I almost like Gail's character progression. I mean, I don't because he's kind of the worst. But like, 
it's a character progression in this book that if you just read like book one and book two and like loved Gail, you could think it was out of character, but it's really an escalation of his character and what he believes. It's just amplified a lot in Mockingjay because they're in so much more danger and he's like seen a lot of his people die. So like his character progression, even though you hate him, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. You you could not say, like, you didn't understand why Gail became a radical because he literally, when, especially when they show you the road of all the people trying to get away, I think it was in yeah. part one. Yes, because it's when she goes to the Capitol and sees the skull, or she goes to the District 12 and sees the skulls and stuff. Yeah, and then, like, they go back again yes. with Cressida to film, and then that's when we see people outside of District 12 have a reaction to, like the gruesomeness of that situation because nobody has seen footage or knows that that has happened. So it, like, just goes to show that sometimes you, like, with the, I was thinking, like, natural disasters that happen, we hear about them, but we don't really see for ourselves the devastation and therefore we're partially removed. So I was, like, thinking of that as I watched that scene where they got the footage to, like, share in a propo. Yeah. And it's just, like, there's a lot of things that got added that I was like, oh, this works so well. Like, the actual inclusion of the dam, bur- like, blowing oh, up scene. So and the one good. Of, is it District 6 that's the lumber? Who's lumber? Uh, I, I don't remember. I think it is District 6, or is it I'm 8? I'm gonna look it up really fast. No. Yeah, I think it might be... No, might 8 be was eight? the one that had the... Hus- 8 was the one that had the hospital. It was? So it might have been 6. 8 had the hospital. Yeah. Lumber, Hunger Games... Lumber District Hunger Games. <laughs> District 7. Oh, interesting. That was also a really good one. That was a great scene. It was such a good scene because you're actually, instead of just hearing about the rebels and the different things they're doing, you're seeing it and it makes a lot more sense. And also the dam scene will always be iconic because it goes hanging tree leading into that and it like continues and it's, uh, it's so good. That was one point. We say a lot on this that I cried, but <laughs> when I say I cried, I mean, like, I was physically sobbing, thinking that all of these people who put, like, the bombs and stuff there knew they were going to die. There's no way you do that and you don't die because the water is going to come and rush and kill you. And I'm like, they knew they were doing that just to give them the opportunity to, like, get into the capital. Like, the selflessness, it moved me. <laughs> it's so good. We got a lot of the best parts of the the book in the movies, like... You have Finnick talking about the secrets, but, like, it means so much more to be in real time with that. Because I don't know that it was in real time in the books. Like, I know he recorded a propo, but I don't know if it was, like, going on while they were trying to break in or if they just Mm -hmm. played it over it. And then also that snow conversation never happened in the books, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, that did not happen at all, but that was great. Like, I loved every time we got Snow and Katniss together in this series. Yes. It's the Snow best part of the just films. such a compelling character. Donald Sutherland is very great at it. Every Snow scene that was added always added to the plot, like the part where he poisons the District 2 guy because he basically didn't do his job, and you actually see his poisoning in action after hearing about it from Finnick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like... That's the one thing that the movies had an advantage for was, like, because we were in Katniss's head in the book, we didn't get to see a lot of the action itself. We were very removed from it. But for the film, you do get 
more glimpses into certain scenes, and they've been doing it since the first film, too. So, like, it just kept adding as the series went on. And we got to see so much more of Snow's, like, machinations behind the scenes of, like, what he was doing to counter what the rebels were doing. Yeah. And, I mean, like, you really do see, he talks about in one of the ending scenes with Katniss, where she goes into the Rose Garden and finds him, Mm -hmm. and is like, oh, has this conversation. He's like, I will kill people, but I'm not wasteful. And you see that happen throughout the movies. Like, he re- he's a villain and that's like not he's bad but like he's not gonna do certain things because it would waste his resources because he views people as resources not necessarily as people but as like things he can use and that makes him more compelling of a villain yeah. it's better than just somebody who just kills because he's evil like he has a logical reason behind everything he does it's the wrong thing to do but he's thought it through and that's the result he's come to also can we talk about how tigress is f- not old enough to be Snow's cousin. Okay, thank you. I, oh my god, guys, I am gonna get heated again. I listened to that audio clip, because Suzanne released an audio clip a couple weeks ago, and I've been, like, reading the excerpts and stuff, because I'm actually interested. And when she said Tigress's name, I was like, this, no, I'm sorry, the movies, she's too young. She's, like, in her 40s, maybe, in the movies. I mean, in the books, to be fair, you don't know what kind of age she is because all yeah. Katniss talks about is how, like, she's been altered to look mm-hmm. like a cat and how, like, there's so much that you can't tell anything about her as a woman. But in the movies, she's definitely, like, in her 40s. Yeah. And also, okay, so I, has, I have so many questions about this that I'm going to get answered, which I'm very excited about. I was thinking while listening to that was... Not only the movie thing, like, obviously, they mention in the books specifically that she was, like, a designer for, like, the first, like, the early games, which tracks with, like, the timing of the new book. But the way she's said to have, like, smiled when Katniss says she's there to kill Snow, I'm like, the backstory better be worth that reaction. It better be. (laughs) Maureen's smiling at me and trying not to give anything away. (laughs) No thoughts. Um... I also, like, as terrible as the scene where there's the child bombing, as terrible as the scene is, the, like, image of Katniss on fire that, like, compares to, like, earlier Katniss is on fire is, like, you, like, you understand she's burning in the book. Like, you get that. But the visual is so much different Mm -hmm. to have that, That entire scene. Side by side. Oh, the entire scene is so hard and so hard to watch because also, like, in it, in the movie, at least, she can clearly tell that Gail is telling her to shoot him so he doesn't get captured. In the books, she's kind of, like, out of it and doesn't really understand and is, like, caught up in the heat of war. But in this, she makes a conscious choice, like, not to do that. Yeah, but then, like, everything happens so quickly after that point because in the books, it's sort of drawn out. Like, we lose yeah. Gail and then, like, all this other stuff happens. But she loses Gail and then immediately she's, like, up at the barriers and the whole bombing thing happens. So I feel like it's a little more forgiven. Thinking about that scene and Prim, my sweet summer child, because mm. trying to do her best. Trying to be the best. But they really made it obvious for the audience in the movies that what was going to yeah. happen. Because Gail oh, sure. literally lays out exactly, like, the exact scene where, like, the people rush in to help. And then they also get blown up. Exactly. Um, sidebar, why is it that whenever... I think it was Cressida, or no, it was Katniss, but when they're all in, in Tigress's thing, and she's like, we get one shot, and 
this is where my brain immediately went. It's like, this is the last chance oh, no, to Hamilton. make it right. This is the- <laughs> oh, <laughs> not, not one shot from Hamilton. I but thought of that Hamilton song from High School Musical. I don't know why. Oh, that's that's perfect. Petition to have the Hunger Games rescore to the um, High School Musical soundtrack. Exactly. Somebody needs to do it now. And then we have the council at the very end with Hamish ready to call coin out of like, oh, you're going to be interim president? How long is that interim going to be? I loved that line. That was so good. The writers knew what they were doing. They knew how to play into characters. It's making it obvious for everyone who didn't understand what her motive was that Mm -hmm. that's what it is. I feel like the movies make it so much more obvious than the book did. Well, because you're in Katniss's head and she doesn't get everything. Okay, valid. <laughs> you're calling shots on my girl Katniss, but I'll overlook it. <laughs> but, like, with the chanting that reminds you of army chants, yes. especially when the mountain's coming down in District 2, it just, it grossed me out because it was like they're cheering on death in a way. And I feel like it made it so much more obvious, at least me watching it, that we're not supposed to root for District 13 either, or the oh, Rebels. No. Like, yes, they deserve freedom, but Coin was not the person that was, like, invested in actually giving them democracy. No, exactly. Like, you can see that from the execution scene. She brings out the drums that were out for the games, and she makes it a huge Ugh, spectacle, yeah. which is exactly what Snow would have done. Like, exactly, to a T. But I will say the part with all the people walking with Katniss still gets me every time. That part, I'm like, oh, it's so good. Because I feel like that feels less rehearsed and more natural is not the right word. Spontaneous, that's the right word. Mm-hmm. And then also it leads to, I feel like Snow's death is very poetic justice and that he basically just like laughs and then starts coughing up blood and then gets mobbed and dies that way which is the way that he really needed to die yeah and i notice also with coin when they're in the capital when that stuff is happening she has makeup on now yeah and she gets her hair it was so good like the subtle details yeah the subtle details of it were, were just so good to like notice the shift of like finally she's gotten exactly what she wanted yeah and then she dies but it's fine it's exactly what needed to happen before we move on, because this is just something that happened last night on Twitter, uh, did you see the Hunger Games Twitter account, like the movie official one? You know, like the um, the villain, the actual villain or whatever, like that meme that's going around? Yes, I did see this. And they posted, um, I can't remember what they did. It was like Snow and then... It was Snow and Kato. It was somebody else. First. It wasn't Coin. Yeah, it was Snow and Kato. And then they did... Um, the villain, the actual villain, with Snow and Coin, and then somebody, like, quote-tweeted and was like, a villain, a villain, because they're both equally bad, and then they were like, did you miss the entire series? <laughs> they're both bad people. <laughs> I think, well, they did say, like, they were like, oh, we, like, hear you guys, because people were saying this is what it needs to be, and so then they changed their minds, but honestly, we've seen it, and we continue to see it with this new book. They are terrible at marketing these books because they don't know how to market a book that's anti-war and about death and is not supposed to be (laughs) exciting and like a shipping book. That's not what it's supposed to be, but that's how they market it because they're like, we need something to grasp onto. Oh yeah, I'll hold up all my thoughts on like the little marketing things I've seen and choices they made with like the book cover until we're talking about the actual book. But I've been texting Maureen being like, everything about this feels wrong to me. <laughs> and it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, you have the chance to get it right and you just never, never do. You never do. 
for the movies, we got, like, nail polishes and <laughs> eye things that were all capital related. And we're like, uh, no. And I think that's one thing where Suzanne doesn't, like, have a hand in that. And she's like, okay, I'll just let you, like, prove my points more mm-hmm. how you're marketing these books. Okay. One thing I was, I said at the very end, President Paler forever, we stand a woman of color as president instead of a white woman who's the worst. <laughs> See, like, I don't know if it's, like... It was never explicitly stated in the books that she was a person of color, but I loved every minute of it, except the one thing that I sort of que- I questioned, because I was, it was a choice they made, and I wanted to understand, like, the reasoning behind it. In the first, in part one, we see her, she has, like, the way she's dressed is completely different from the way she's dressed in part two. So, like, her natural hair is free, she's wearing, like, a tribal print sort of thing. I don't remember exactly if it was, like, a shirt or, like, a wrap or something, but then... As soon as she's embraced by the rebels, she's dressed exactly like all of them, like, with the grays and her hair is, like, braided back or, like, it looks exa- it looks different. She looks, like, polished in a way. And I'm, like, I wonder if this was, like, an active choice on their part to show, like, assimilation. But it just felt kind of weird. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It could have been that. It could have been her being, like, I know I'm going to have more authority if mm-hmm. I just, like, try to blend in, which is also wrong. Yeah. But it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. But also, I forgot Gwendolyn Christie was the also, district leader for two. Yeah, that was shocking. I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> Man it, like, turned camera and I was like, hello? <laughs> she got her check and she left. I appreciate <laughs> she that. She literally was only in, like, two scenes. It's so good. <laughs> All the District 2 stuff is terrible, as it is in the book. Gail's the worst. He continues to be the worst. Yeah. I feel like in the book, her, like, whole speech, she had guns trained on her, for sure. But I don't Mm -hmm. think she was, like, up close and personal with someone literally having a gun to her head. Yeah. But there were people pointing guns at her in the book. But I could be wrong about that. I could be misremembering. But I felt like it mattered more, almost, because it was, like, a conversation, like, that close instead of a conversation... Still close, but, like, from a little farther away. At that point, you could tell she was just done with everything. She's like, just shoot me, man. Like, I, I honestly could not give a shit anymore. Uh, yeah, just just kill me if you don't understand what I'm trying to do. Especially because you had those close-ups of her, like, her face being like, no, I understand what you're trying to do, and shoot me if you must. Yeah. Also, Josh Hutcherson's CG of his, like, skinny face and body is a lot. Yes, that... Did he not actually lose some weight as well, though? I think he did lose some weight, but they definitely CG'd it down so he was, like, completely emaciated because I don't think they would ever let him get to that point. He didn't go full Matthew McConaughey. I think my building next door is on fire. Anyway. What? (laughs) Sorry, I just saw a fire truck and it went down the wrong way of the street, which they always do. Uh, (laughs) Literally about to be the girl on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Yeah, Josh Hutchison, I don't know. I feel like I wasn't complete. Like, he wasn't the standout for the last two movies for me. Catching Fire will always be his, like, strongest. I feel like he did the, like, tortured soul thing very well for me. Yeah. It was over the top, but, like, he kind of had to be. Like, he was literally, like, drugged with Tracker Jacker Venom. But also Jennifer Lawrence did a great job with her emotions in the last movie. Yeah, like, I feel like when he's with them in the Capitol and he's struggling to, like, real or not real, always, will tug at the heartstrings. We get our sleeping scene, circa 2012, <laughs> love triangle My heart. Yep. We even got that freaking rude dream where he, like, comes in, but it's a dream that she's having oh, that he's my there, God. whatever, she's in 13. I was like, this is 
so mean. Excuse you. Yeah. I felt really attacked by that when she wakes up and um, Prim's just looking at her after the dream across the room. And I'm like, this literally has hurt me so deeply. And it's not even the second film yet. What are you doing? (laughs) Oh, also, this is a very random, like, comparison that I was like, interesting choice to do this in the movie. I felt like the whole Caesar Flickerman, like, coming on and talking about Katniss's death, almost, like, immediately after, like, that whole thing happened. Obviously, we know the government is trying to, like, prop people up, but I feel like it was almost a subtle commentary on the 24-hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. And, like, continually, like, pumping out, like, bad and good news and, like, making sure people have news every hour of every day. And, like, kind of a question of, like, is this something we should be doing? <laughs> Yeah, and it, like, brings up also the idea of, like, fake news because we've seen multiple times recently where, like, a CNN or something will report something and it's completely untrue because they were trying to be the first to announce it. I feel like it just becomes more and more timely, (laughs) which is horrible. It really do. It do. Also, and I was like, I'm just going through, like, my notes. I feel like there's just, like, so many subtle character things that different people do that I'm like, "Mm, you're just adding to your character, but something small, like, when... Snow is, like, giving his broadcast, and then Coin, like, butts in, and he she, like, says something, and he corrects her, and he's, like, plucked. It's, like, (laughs) yes. Uh, Anything Donald Sutherland does is a a big yes from me. He's amazing. He's the best. Let's see if I have any more notes. I think I do still agree with this, even though I'm glad it was split into two movies. The first movie felt like more of a full movie with like a full arc, mm-hmm. and the second movie does not as much. It's just kind of like straight, we're gonna go after all these people and have a lot of action sequences. And there's not a lot of balance of that in the books. So there was no way to balance it in the two movies because you have like leading up to the final conflict and all of that. But I still feel like I'm glad they separated them, but that is something that you lose because of that. Yeah, I feel like I didn't have, besides, like, obviously the deaths that happened, I didn't cry when Finnick died. That's the one part I didn't cry, apparently, but mostly because I was looking (laughs) away from the screen, I'm pretty sure. But (laughs) I feel like because it was mostly action in the second part of, like, the split, I wasn't as emotionally invested in everything that was happening because it was so, like, there was, like, no time to breathe and no real time with the characters besides, like, one or two scenes where they're, like, resting between horrific events so I feel like because of that it sort of like removed some of like my emotional attachment I'm sure it was different when I first watched the finale but like watching them back to back it just didn't feel as powerful yeah it doesn't and I mean like there's still some really great parts I don't know if I would call it great like the lizard people is still horrific and terrifying and like I hate jump scares and it jump scares me every time Mm -hmm. that entire scene was stressful like I did not enjoy watching it one bit (laughs) No, thank you. Yeah, overall, like, I really enjoy these movies. They both bring something to the table, and there's not a lot of adaptations that you can say that they bring something that the books don't bring. They'll, like, maybe do something different, but, like, because we have all those scenes with Snow, because we're not in Katniss's head, I feel like we get a lot more interesting dynamics and you see more in the movies than you do in the books but you also lose things from the books when you go to the movies because they can't include everything yeah I this is like one of the few series where I think I enjoy the films and the books equally for different reasons because they give you different things but the adaptation actually stands up I think the only other adaptation 
that I can think of off the top of my head that like has held the test of time is um Perks being a wallflower when that was adapted, but obviously the mm, author adapted one. it, so. And I mean, there are, like, other ones I enjoy, but I don't feel like they bring as much to the table as these do. Mm-hmm. It's true. They just are really great, and they still stand up, and they probably will. We'll probably be, like, showing our kids these, and they will be like, what are these old movies you're showing us? Well, by that point, we'll be like, here is your manual on how to survive the Hunger Games, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Do you have anything else to discuss? I feel like we've discussed a lot. No, I think that's basically it. I, I loved these two films back to back. That was my first time watching the part two in a really long time. I've watched the part Same. one repeatedly, but part two, <laughs> I just don't watch because so much death happens. I'm just like, I will. I know what happens. I know how it ends. Like, I'm good. Same. I haven't watched them in a long time. I've probably rewatched them once since I saw them in theaters, but I've definitely reread them more than I've rewatched them, except for Catching Fire. Hmm, Catching so Fire is my bay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it another 10 years and I'll give it another reread, I think. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. That's it. We've finished all of them. We've done so many things and we have one more episode to record after Paige finishes reading Ballad of... I can never remember... The Ballad song of Songbirds and Snakes. <laughs> I can't... I can never remember the order. Yeah. But we have one more and then this season, first season is done. I'm getting emotional. Oh my god, we did it. For the most part. And then part. we have a couple other ideas of what we want to do next. Sam Claflin, we'll... binge. <laughs> it is happening. I'm sorry. I'm putting my foot down. We need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Claflin, binge-a-thon. So that's a thing that's going to happen. Yes. At some point. But we can probably be a little more chill with that. We've been like trying to get this stuff out. Yeah, I feel like maybe we wait until the Daisy Jones adaptation comes out and make that Ooh. Or maybe we Ooh. just do a Daisy Jones binge. Like, that could be its own separate thing, too. <laughs> yeah, true. True, yeah. true. <laughs> but we have ideas, so we'll be back. But this season of Hunger Games time is over. <laughs> Which is actually kind of good. I don't think... I'm glad we started this before Corona happened. <laughs> yeah. So we were, like, already in it. <laughs> For real. We're not just starting a podcast because of Corona, but I'm also doing that in a different facet of my life, so it's fine. It, yeah, yeah, this is this was a whole journey from beginning to end, and now I get to, maybe I start it tonight. <laughs> I'm not going to edit yes. my video, so. Do it. Okay. Do it. I'll start I'm it tonight. I'm so interested to hear your thoughts. I'm so interested. My goal is to read it this weekend, completely. Everybody I know has, like, read it in a couple sittings, and I'm like, I need to do it so I can unmute all the things I've muted on Twitter. <laughs> me I just was very much like I read it because I was like I want to get my thoughts in order and like what I feel about it before the discourse starts happening because yeah. I am the person who is a hundred percent like uh they make a good point and it's then it just completely <laughs> alters my thoughts and feelings so I'm like 100%. I need to get mine in order yeah I always like when I'm doing this kind of stuff like I just filmed the selection thing um I make sure my thoughts are in order and written down and then I like see what other people have said about it after the fact to sort of like bolster and I'll mention it in a video being like this person said this so like I always look immediately after because I'm the kind of person who like this kind of podcast I listen to these kind of podcasts all the time I just enjoy it so much it's a great time it's a good time to be alive well we haven't launched at this point because we literally said yesterday we were planning on launching but I'm gonna start doing that tonight so (laughs) we're coming (laughs) You're hearing this now, and you'll be like, oh, wow, I remember when that happened, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.